Section 3, Volume 5 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 5, Section 3. Three hundred and sixty fifth night to three hundred and sixty eighth night. When it was the three hundred and sixty fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the maiden was delighted when she heard these words and said to him, Do as thou wilt, for she thereby understood that she should not enter the city but with due honour and worship as became her rank. Then the prince left her, and betook himself to the palace of the king his father, who rejoiced in his return, and met him, and welcomed him. And the prince said to him, Know that I have brought with me the king's daughter of whom I told thee, and have left her without the city, in such a garden, and come to tell thee, that thou mayst make ready the procession of estate, and go forth to meet her, and show her thy royal dignity and troops and guards answered the king with joy and gladness and straightway bade decorate the town with the goodliest adornment then he took horse and rode out in all magnificence and majesty he and his host high officers and household with drums and kettle-drums fives and clarions and all manner instruments whilst the prince drew forth of his treasuries jewellery and apparel and what else are the things which king hoards and made a rare display of wealth and splendour. Moreover, he got ready for the princess a canopied litter of brocades, green, red, and yellow, wherein he set Indian and Greek and Abyssinian slave-girls. Then he left the litter, and those who were therein, and preceded them to the pavilion, where he had set her down, and searched but found not, neither princess nor horse when he saw this he beat his face and rent his raiment and began to wander round about the garden as he had lost his wits after which he came to his senses and said to himself how could she have come at the secret of this horse seeing i told her nothing of it maybe the persian sage who made the horse hath chanced upon her and stolen her away in revenge for my father's treatment of him then he sought the guardians of the garden and asked them if they had seen any past the precincts and said hath any one come in here tell me the truth and the whole truth or i will at once strike off your heads they were terrified by his threats but they answered with one voice we have seen no man enter save the persian sage who came to gather healing herbs so the prince was certified that it was indeed he that had taken away the maiden. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the three hundred and sixty-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the prince heard their answer, he was certified that the sage had taken away the maiden, and abode confounded and perplexed concerning his case and as he was abashed before the folk and turning to his sire told him what had happened and said to him take the troops and march them back to the city as for me i will never return till i have cleared up this affair 
when the king heard this he wept and beat his breast and said to him o my son calm thy choler and master thy chagrin and come home with us and look what king's daughter thou wouldst fain have that i may marry thee to her but the prince paid no heed to his words and farewelling him departed whilst the king returned to the city and their joy was changed into sore annoy now as destiny issued her decree when the prince left the princess in the garden house and betook himself to his father's palace for the ordering of his affair the persian entered the garden to pluck certain samples and scenting the sweet savour of musk and perfumes that exhaled from the princess and impregnated the whole place followed it till he came to the pavilion and saw standing at the door the horse which he had made with his own hands his heart was filled with joy and gladness for he had bemourned its loss much since it had gone out of his hand so he went up to it and examining its every part found it whole and sound whereupon he was about to mount and ride away when he bethought himself and said needs must i first look what the prince hath brought and left here with the horse so he entered the pavilion and seeing the princess sitting there as she were the sun shining sheen in the sky serene knew her at the first glance to be some high-born lady and doubted not but the prince had brought her thither on the horse and left her in the pavilion whilst he went to the city to make ready for her entry in state procession with all splendour then he went up to her and kissed the earth between her hands whereupon she raised her eyes to him and finding him exceedingly foul of face and favour asked who art thou and he answered o oh, my lady i am a messenger sent by the prince who hath bidden me bring thee to another pleasance nearer the city for that my lady the queen cannot walk so far and is unwilling of her joy in thee that another should forestall her with thee quoth she where is the prince and quoth the persian he is in the city with his sire and forthwith he shall come for thee in great state said she o oh, thou say me could he find none handsomer to send to me whereat loud laughed the sage and said yea verily he hath not a mameluke as ugly as i am but o oh, my lady let not the ill favour of my face and the foulness of my form deceive thee hadst thou profited of me as hath the prince verily thou wouldst praise my affair indeed he chose me as his messenger to thee because of my uncomeliness and loathsomeness in his jealous love of thee else hath he mamelukes and negro slaves pages eunuchs and attendants out of number each goodlier than other whenas she heard this it commended itself to her reason and she believed him so she rose forthright and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the three hundred and sixty-seventh night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the persian sage acquainted the princess with the case of the king's son she believed him so she rose forthright and putting her hand in his said o oh, my father what hast thou brought me to ride he replied o oh, my lady thou shalt ride the horse thou camest on and she i cannot ride it by myself 
whereupon he smiled and knew that he was her master and said i will ride with thee myself so he mounted and taking her up behind him bound her to himself with firm bonds while she knew not what he would with her then he turned the ascent pin whereupon the belly of the horse became full of wind and it swayed to and fro like a wave of the sea and rose with them high in air nor slackened in its flight till it was out of sight of the city now when shams al-nahir saw this she asked him ho oh, thou what is become of that thou toldest me of my prince making me believe that he sent thee to me answered the persian allah damn the prince he is a mean and skinflint knave she cried woe to thee how darest thou disobey thy lord's commandment whereto the persian replied he is no lord of mine knowest thou who i am rejoined the princess i know nothing of thee say what thou toldest me and retorted he what i told thee was a trick of mine against thee and the king's son i have long lamented the loss of this horse which is under us for i constructed it and made myself master of it but now i have gotten firm hold of it and thee too and i will burn his heart even as he hath burnt mine nor shall he ever have the horse again no never so be of good cheer and keep thine eyes cool and clear for i can be of more use to thee than he and i am generous as i am wealthy my servants and slaves shall obey thee as their mistress i will robe thee in finest raiment and thine every wish shall be at thy will when she heard this she buffeted her face and cried out saying ah well away i have not won my beloved and i have lost my father and mother and she wept bitter tears over what had befallen her whilst the sage fared on with her without ceasing till he came to the land of the greeks and alighted in a verdant mead abounding in streams and trees now this meadow lay near a city wherein was a king of high potions and it chanced that he went forth that day to hunt and divert himself as he passed by the meadow he saw the persian standing there with the damsel and the horse by his side and before the sage was ware the king's slaves fell upon him and carried him and the lady and the horse to their master who noting the foulness of the man's favour and his loathsomeness and the beauty of the girl and her loveliness said o oh, my lady what kin is this oldster to thee the persian made haste to reply saying she is my wife and the daughter of my father's brother but the lady at once gave him the lie and said o king by allah i know him not nor is he my husband nay he is a wicked magician who hath stolen me away by force and fraud thereupon the king bade bastinado the persian and they beat him till he was well nigh dead after which the king commanded to carry him to the city and cast him into jail and taking from him the damsel and the ebony horse though he knew not its properties nor the secret of its motion set the girl in his seraglio and the horse amongst his hordes such was the case with the sage and the lady but as regards prince kamar al-akmar he garbed himself in travelling gear and taking what he needed of money set out tracking that trail 
in very sorry plight and journeyed from country to country and city to city seeking the princess and inquiring after the ebony horse whilst all who heard him marvelled at him and deemed his talk extravagant thus he continued doing a long while but for all his inquiry and quest he could hit on no new news of her at last he came to her father's city of sanaa and there asked for her but could get no tidings of her and found her father mourning her loss so he turned back and made for the land of the greeks continuing to inquire concerning the twain as he went and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the three hundred and sixty-eighth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the king's son made for the land of the greeks continuing to inquire concerning the two as he went along till as chance would have it he alighted at a certain khan and saw a company of merchants sitting at talk so he sat down near them and heard one say o oh, my friends i lately witnessed a wonder of wonders they asked what was that and he answered i was visiting such a district in such a city naming the city wherein was the princess and i heard its people chatting of a strange thing which had lately befallen it was that their king went out one day hunting and coursing with a company of his courtiers and the lords of his realm and issuing from the city they came to a green meadow where they spied an old man standing with a woman sitting hard by a horse of ebony the man was foulest foul of face and loathly of form but the woman was a marvel of beauty and loveliness and elegance and perfect grace and as for the wooden horse it was a miracle never saw eyes aught goodlier than it nor more gracious than its make asked the others and what did the king with them and the merchant answered as for the man the king seized him and questioned him of the damsel and he pretended that she was his wife and the daughter of his paternal uncle but she gave him the lie forthright and declared that he was a sorcerer and a villain so the king took her from the old man and bade beat him and cast him into the trunk-house as for the ebony horse i know not what became of it when the prince heard these words he drew near to the merchant and began questioning him discreetly and courteously touching the name of the city and of its king which when he knew he passed the night full of joy and as soon as dawned the day he set out and travelled sans surcease till he reached that city but when he would have entered the gatekeepers laid hands on him that they might bring him before the king to question him of his condition and the craft in which he was skilled and the cause of his coming thither such being the usage and custom of their ruler now it was supper-time when he entered the city and it was then impossible to go in to the king or take counsel with him respecting the stranger so the guards carried him to the jail thinking to lay him by the heels there for the night but when the warders saw his beauty and loveliness they could not find it in their hearts to imprison him they made him sit with them without the walls and when food came to them he ate with them what sufficed him 
as soon as they had made an end of eating they turned to the prince and said what countryman art thou i came from fars answered he the land of chosroes when they heard this they laughed and one of them said o chosroan i have heard the talk of men and their histories and i have looked into their conditions but never saw i or heard i a bigger liar than the chosron which is with us in the jail quoth another and never did i see aught fouler than his favour or more hideous than his visionomy asked the prince what have ye seen of his lying and they answered he pretendeth that he is one of the wise now the king came upon him as he went a-hunting and found with him a most beautiful woman and a horse of the blackest ebony never saw i a handsomer as for the damsel she is with the king who is enamoured of her and would fain marry her but she is mad and were his man a leech as he claimeth to be he would have healed her for the king doth his utmost to discover a cure for her case and a remedy for her disease and this whole year past hath he spent treasure upon physicians and astrologers on her account but none can avail to cure her as for the horse it is in the royal hoard house and the ugly man is here with us in prison and as soon as night falleth he weepeth and bemoaneth himself and will not let us sleep and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and cease to say her permitted say. End of section three read by Lars Rolander.